Today is July 1st, 1995, and I am interviewing Vivian Howard <laughs> for the project Race and Memory in St. Louis, my independent study uh, supported by the Missouri Historical Society. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I know something. Now he, uh, uh, they were called the 20th century, and he was uh, one of the original members. And uh, he was, at, in his time, he was a uh, fashion plate of uh, St. Louis among the men folks. Okay. Well, Vivian, what year do you think that that might have been taken? Uh, about uh, 49. 49? Uh -huh. And which one, where are you? Oh, uh, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there you are. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, um, and this gentleman is? He was one of the uh, uh, elevator starters. They didn't have the girl starters at that time. This gentleman here and this gentleman here were the elevator starter. Okay. Um, and a starter was? They uh, stood out on the floor and directed the customers into the elevator and counted them and when it was 10 in there, and then they carried them point to the next elevator that was going up. How did you get your job? Well, at the time, they had a lady there, um, Julia Wilson. She was a public relation, uh, and she, uh, they seemed to get uh, calls and letters uh, about my disposition. And they just thought that I was, since the starter was the first person that most people saw when they came into the store, mm -hmm. they should pick someone with a personality that liked people, and I do like people. Mm -hmm. So you became a starter? Right. I had worked there about three or four years when they made me a starter all up until then. They had uh, the men, mm -hmm. but they had a, a lady that was uh, the supervisor. Well, she would get on the floor at times to give them a relief or whatever. Mm -hmm. So you started as a starter and then became an no, elevator? No, you I started, started as an elevator. elevator. How did you happen to get that? Well, I had worked at Sticks doing uh, 28 and 29 as part-time worker because then uh, they had a five-day week and you didn't have a day off. That didn't start until after the war started. Mm -hmm. You had to work from Monday till Saturday. And of course, the only time a part-time worker got a chance to work is someone would either be out sick or during the vacation time. And that's when I would work. I'd work vacation or if someone was sick. As an elevator operator. Right. But why did you happen to go to Sticks to to apply for that job, a job like that? Well, I really didn't go. Uh, this uh, girl here, mm -hmm. Tina, mm -hmm. she was a supervisor at that time, and she saw me, uh, we knew each other, mm -hmm. and she saw me on the streets, 
and she knew that I could operate on the elevator, and she asked me why, and I had worked there part-time a few years back, mm -hmm. and they were beginning to open up because of the war, so she was looking for girls, and she asked me would I come. Okay, and, now which war are you talking about? Uh, two, World War World II. War II. Mm -hmm. So you started there in 1946 right. as an elevator mm -hmm. operator, mm -hmm. and you had worked there part-time before. Right. Um, what were the qualifications in those days for this job? Well, uh, neatness was one of them, and uh, personality was another, because at that time, you, the customer was always right. That's, that's gone now, mm -hmm. but then, mm -hmm. the customer was always right. And you had to have uh, a personality that you could get along with people, you know. Mm -hmm. The place I worked as elevator operator was Sticks Band Fuller. I don't mean, oh goodness, Seinfeld. 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 That's okay. Now, the way I got that job was my oldest sister was working there, and she got a better job going to the railway exchange. Mm -hmm. Well, I was working out in private family, and she called me New Year's Eve day and told me that uh, she was going to railway exchange and if I wanted to change jobs to come down there. And uh, sh she had talked to the lady already and I probably would get hired, but I didn't know anything about elevator. But they trained me. Mm -hmm. I worked there five and a half years. And then uh, I went to uh, the arcade building and then I went to uh, Garland. Mm. Well, what Juanita's speaking of was that uh, they hired me for the elevator job. And uh, Mr. Garland's son-in-law was a manager of the store, and he left on a buying trip to go to New York. And in the meantime, I was hired. And when he came back, I guess he took one, at the time, I didn't know anything about it, but I guess he took one look at me and I wasn't the type that they wanted on the elevator. They wanted a dark person or whatever. But I didn't know that at the time. At that time, when you got let out, you went to uh, the, uh, was that place you go to report and they'll, after mm. so many weeks, they'll, start paying you a little. Yeah, I can't think of I it can't. either. But we'll, okay. <laughs> anyway, that's uh, what happened. And so uh, I had this young man, and you were supposed to report every week. And I'd go, and he'd look, he'd say, I haven't been able to get any information yet. I couldn't draw anything until he got oh, the facts. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I think I went about four weeks or five weeks, and finally, uh, about the fourth he looked at me and he started grinning. So when I sat down in his, by his desk, he said, I finally found out why they let you go. And he said, you don't have to worry, you'll be able to collect your money. He said, and it was one of the most insane reasons that I've ever heard of. And then he went on to tell me that it was because of my color that they let me go. Because you were too, too light? light. 
too light. Mm -hmm. And of course, I was working up to the fact that at the department stores, they were hiring you because one of the reasons was because you were light. No, no, no. That's mm -hmm. what everybody thinks. Not, well, not famous had that reputation. Okay, famous. But, uh -huh. but uh, sticks didn't. You can look at the. Okay. Uh -huh. Okay. But I thought it was just. It, well, you're you're teaching me then because I thought that it was generally. No. No. But garlands definitely. They wanted you to look colored. They didn't want you if you there was any. Um, chance that somebody might think you were something else. Oh. So I got my money, whatever I was supposed to get every yeah. week I got yeah. it. Well, that's, it's, what does that do to you all? What does that do to you? Well, at the time, the, the man that waited on me at the, uh, yeah, uh, he he took it in such a jolly way, you know, and it just and I like me, I I never never feel bad about anything, and I never never go to bed at night with anything in my heart against anybody. I never have. I can go to bed and soon my head hit the pillow. I go to sleep because I don't have nothing else on my mind. That's just always been my way. And I've always gotten along with people. Mm -hmm. Never had any misunderstanding, neighbors or anybody else. So you, you did not let that bother you? No, it didn't bother me at all. Good for you, mm -hmm. good for you. Um, okay, so well that's, that's, a, that's something new that you're telling me. Uh, that it was famous who, who was known for hiring people who were lighter, right? But that sticks didn't. Uh, no, they they mixed theirs. You can see that that uh, they uh, mixed theirs up some more. Now this Penina here, she she was very, she was a person. She just didn't have any color at all. She was just very very. But Vivian, I don't see anybody on here that's very, very dark. Oh no! Well, this girl is. She is, and uh, they don't show up on it. But this this girl is this girl is uh, what they call dark brown skin. This girl was dark brown skin, and this girl this, right this, here. This lady is familiar. Huh? She looks. Familiar to me. Really, I can't uh -huh. even remember her name. So this was 1949. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's a that's a, a lot of uh, people. Right. Mm -hmm. And some of them, uh, you know, they would come and stay a little while and leave, you know. Mm -hmm. But now, uh, some of them there oh, worked there for years and years. So this girl and this girl. Now, I tell you, this girl here, you may not remember this, but uh, she lived on uh, Eastern Avenue in one of those high-rise uh, buildings just off of Grand Avenue. She had a girlfriend that worked at the store, too, that lived on St. Louis Avenue. 
And on weekends, she would go to her girlfriend's house and spend the weekend. And uh, this man, the girl that owned the house, walked up on the shed, it's raining, she had umbrella, walked up on her porch. This man came up behind her when she unlocked her door, he pushed her in. And her friend was there too. And he killed both of them and stole their, stole her television. Mm. And that, that happened, oh, I guess about 30 years ago, something like that. But uh, that's how she died. She died. Yeah. What was it like to work at Stixbury and Fuller? Oh, it was days? a wonderful place to work. It really was. They uh, they had meetings and they had uh, entertainment and all that kind of thing for uh, the employees. And every year they gave us the money and all to buy the food and everything. We had a picnic out at O'Fallon Park every year. And they were just, and whenever we had anything special, Mr. Cubby Bear always made it his business to drop by and, you know, mm -hmm. and stay with us a while, getting a ball game or, you know, mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. They always, and even the older man, uh, Mr. Fuller and, uh, and both of the elderly bears, they, uh, well, one of them, he was, kind of oddball, but Sydney. I mean, he wasn't. Sydney? Yeah, something like that. But uh, Cubby's father, he was nice. And, uh, well, they were all nice, but uh, the other one just, he didn't fool with nobody. He just was all by himself mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. But as a rule, and even the employees, they didn't um, allow any misunderstanding to go on without them getting into it and trying to straighten it out mm -hmm. because they didn't want one employee taking advantage of another employee. Are you talking about black and white right. relationships right. now? Right. So you always knew that you could get go to someone if, if you had a problem. And they would be listening. Right. Well, that's a nice thing to, right. to say. Um, <laughs> but um, but were the black and white employees segregated as far as eating and stuff? Right, like? they were for quite a while, and of course, now the only thing about doing things like that, when they changed over and started us to eating in the big cafeteria with the white cubby bear took Tina, the supervisor, and carried her to lunch, you know, making, showing them, you know, well, I'm the big boss. If I can come in here and sit down and eat with a black, you can too. And I didn't, I didn't, personally, I didn't care for that. I just thought, well, if it's going to change, I would go on in and eat, you know. But that way it looked like they was making a big deal out of it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. But that was their way of switching over so it worked out all right. And this is switching over in the employees cafe? Yeah, right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and uh, after that, of course, even I, this is the way I felt about it, that even if he hadn't 
pulled it off that way, that there wouldn't have been any problem because they just didn't have those kind of uh, employees, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. white, the white or black. White or black. So right. it would have gone either right. gone right, right either way. And, and you know, and to my mind, uh, it showed that they didn't have too much trust in their own employees, you know, thinking, you know, they had to do it that way to show them, well, if yes. I can do it, then why can't you do it, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Well, but it's, <laughs> but it's all the way you look at it. Yeah. Uh, I wonder, do you see that they probably sat and thought and talked about it to try and figure out a way? Do you have that feeling? I, oh, yeah, I imagine they did. Uh, mm -hmm. they, they, they had to come up with something so they felt. But like I said, uh, they had a big auditorium on the ninth floor. And my feelings was that uh, they could have called all, they usually call the employees up there before the store opened up when they had something of importance to tell them. And they could have just had us all to come up there and said, well, from Monday on, we'll only have one lunchroom. That's it, you know. <laughs> but I guess well, the way they did it was okay too. Well, how did they tell everybody? They didn't. They, just, they didn't. Oh, they just had right. Mr. Bear, Cubby Bear go. And, oh, and, and <laughs> Tina walked in and oh, had lunch. Then everybody else came in and you know oh, on the on same different no on their different lunch hour. Uh -huh. It was more than just those two doing that lunch hour time that period uh -huh. because we had a half an hour lunch, uh -huh. but. Uh, do, you know, as you got off on your lunch hour, you just went on up to the mm -hmm. uh, big cafeteria. Mm -hmm. You see, what they did, when I worked there part-time, they had uh, the big cafeteria, just like this. And the big cafeteria would be way over there. In the middle was the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Here's the hallway. They had a door cut there and and on a counter put there and you walk up to that and the girl take your order and she'll go in fix your tray and bring it back there then you had this little room oh about the size of that and uh, we would sit out there and eat mm -hmm. then later on as, as the war started and they had so many blacks working they uh, opened up their uh, cafeteria on another floor. Right, that's what uh, Stella was telling right. me about. on another floor. So you were just in a, so the same place right. in a separation. Right, right. And the place where we were was no big in that little area here, mm -hmm. you know. Yes. Because we went to lunch at different times, right. you know, half an hour period. Do you feel that they hired more uh, African Americans during Stella's time? than they did during your, did you and Stella overlap at all? No, uh, I went, I was there first. Well, I knew that. But, right. Um, but I mean, you weren't there at the same time at all. Oh yeah. Oh, you we were? We were there at the oh, same okay. time, yeah. Mm -hmm. Did they begin to hire more black people? Yes, uh, during her time, because they were going into different fields. When I went there, they were mostly uh, in housekeeping 
or cafeteria or elevator. But after a while, uh, they went into window trimming, you know, mm -hmm. helping window and doing the cases and things like that. You mm -hmm. know, they had different jobs. Mm -hmm. And some of them, uh, one girl, she started uh, helping dress the models when they, you know, had the models going to the tea room. Mm -hmm. So they uh, uh, opened up different jobs for other blacks. How, um, how long did you stay at, I mean, when did you retire from Stiff? 75. 75. Mm -hmm. So you were there when the lunch counter was yeah, integrated. Right, Do right. you remember that? Oh, Lord, yeah. <laughs> would, you, would you tell me? They, they were sitting in there. Right. And uh, we had uh, a, a lunch counter on the uh, Lucas and 6th Street side. Was that the first? That's the first floor. First floor. Right. That's and it's over. Was that Lucas? That was at the back of the building. Mm -hmm. And uh, the students used to come in and sit. Well, this one man, Mr. Honick, he would go to Florida every year and get as black as he could from the sun, but he didn't want nobody. Darker than he was sitting at his counter. <laughs> and he was white? Yeah. Okay. But he'd go to Florida every year and get as black as he could. Uh huh, but he didn't. <laughs> he wanted to be sunburned, you know. Right. <laughs> and so uh, one day when uh, he came around a corner, he was talking to someone behind him and he was kind of looking back and walking. And he said something. I now I really have forgotten what it was he said. So by the time he got up to where I was standing, directing LA, I said, "Mr. Honick, I say, you know, we're not really trying to mingle or take over your county or anything like that." I said, "But my people, when we come downtown, or when we have guests from out of town, and we bring them downtown shopping." We can stay down here two or three hours, and there's no place that we can go and have something to eat. And I said, that's all we're looking for is a place to eat. And he didn't say it. He didn't answer me. He just turned and walked on away. Now, he was, was he? He was the head over the food division. Oh. His name he was Honey. How do you spell it? Do you know? H-O-N-I-C, I think. H-O-N. Uh-huh. So he... He didn't respond to you? No, no, he didn't say anything. He just turned and walked on away. Well, can you, can you tell me about, uh, it was Cor, I think, who did the sit-ins, the Congress on Racial Equality? Right, but uh, they used uh, students, students uh -huh. from the schools. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. So were you, you were aware that... That, that they were trying to do? Yes. Yes. And uh, do, you, do you have any um, memories of anything that... Uh, incident? No. Well, not no. an incident. I guess I'd like to know how you felt or how you found out that finally they had opened up the counter. Well, to tell you the truth, it, it went off so smoothly until I just... It just happened. It, it, it just happened and you just took it for granted just like you took it for granted when you didn't. Mm -hmm. Couldn't do it, you know. Mm -hmm. 
So it, it went off smoothly, and uh, all at once they had it was changed there. It was in the mm -hmm. um, Okay, this is uh, now we're looking at a photograph of a of a party in this man's home. But yeah, and it's his birthday, and every year we would. Uh, have this party because his wife couldn't get out and we'd take the party to him. And, and these two guys were uh, doormans. Doorman? Uh -huh. All right. Is is this gentleman on this picture? Uh, Was he one of them? Yeah. Oh, he's that one. Mm -hmm. And do you, don't, do you remember his name? Yeah, Bob Douglas. Bob Douglas? Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and so here he's retired, right? Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and these are all people that Different worked in the people store. People that worked at the at, and the elevated department. Yeah. And maybe some that were they all still working there or some? Yeah. I, mm -hmm. Did did you kind of remain a a group when people retired or did they come back and be well, part of it? Well, here in the last few years, we have gotten together and uh, have a group, and we have. Uh, a get-together up here at the Salad Bowl mm -hmm. in January every year. But we just started that all four or five years ago. Do you think you have a date, on a kind of an approximate date of when this might have been? Mm. That was 49, you said. Right. No, I sure, I sure don't, but it's in the 50s. In the 50s, you know? that's good enough. Right. Good enough. I haven't seen a cuckoo clock for a right. while these days. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then this picture you said was. That's when I, after I was 20 years, at my, as I, all these people here were 20 year people. Is that you? Mm hmm. I was the only woman at the, de at the table. <laughs> Can you tell me who anybody else is? Well, this is now later on. I worked for him, he, uh, Mr. Brickey. He was a buyer in the furniture, and that's where I ended up working in the uh, furniture office. I see. And uh, these other guys are just uh, salesmen throughout the store. At the time, I probably knew him, but now. Right. But I remember him because I worked with him so long. Does he belong to you? No, he worked there. He okay. made 20 years just like I did. Oh, I see. You were both uh, being honored. Right. Um, and all these people you see in there were 20 or more, okay. but you had to be 20 years. So, so you went into other fields? You went in? Right. After they took the elevator out, why we went up to, uh, they gave out different jobs, tried to find one, you know, to fit. Mm -hmm. And Julia Wilson, she was public relations one. Well, she uh, came to me and she said, Vivian, I think I've got something you like, but it was yard goods. And I had asthma. And I said, yard goods, Miss Wilson? She said, I goofed it. And I said, yes, you did. Because she, she knows wolves and things like that. She said, well, okay, I'll keep trying. I'm going to find something for you, you know, that mm -hmm. you like. So uh, they found this place in the... Uh, children's department where every day in the morning the business 
that they did the day before. They brought it to our office, and each girl, I think it was five of us in there, each girl, I was the only black, had um, uh, a department, a size, you know, like nine, I think nine went from uh, seven to 14. Mm -hmm. And you had those little stubs, you see them tear off your clothes when mm -hmm. you buy. Well, we had to count those and record them in books and see and then add up what all had been done and things like that. And uh, one day, up in the furniture where he was, uh, this girl and the manager got into it. And uh, she walked out. And when she walked out, she kicked over the trash can. And she didn't come back from lunch. So they needed somebody right quick. Well. Uh, they knew up there that they were trying to find uh, different jobs for the different elevator operators. So uh, when uh, this lady came up to our office and she said, Vivian, she said, we have a job up on 7 for, uh, in the furniture office. We need somebody right now that has an idea about the work and you have an idea from working down here. She said, would you be w willing to work up there a few days for me? And I told her, yeah. So I went up there and it so happened that uh, two or three of the people up there I knew real well and they had always had a friendly relationship with them. So I guess that's why it went over so smoothly. And so uh, when they did get somebody, they uh, told me, said, now you have your choice. If you want to stay up here, the job is yours. If you want to go back to your job. Well, the other job, you had a, a long counter, and three of us were sitting on this side at this counter working our book, and two on this side. And you just sat there all day, and it was boring. Mm -hmm. There, you was just moving around, answering the telephone, mm -hmm. filing, doing this, doing that. So I naturally used to walking up and down in front of the elevators. I was used to action. <laughs> and so uh, I told him I'd stay up there in the furniture. And which Mr. Bricky, he wanted me to stay, mm -hmm. which I had known him for a long time, just from being in the store and all. So uh, I retired. And they gave me a big uh, retirement party on South Grand, somewhere at uh, the place they originally had uh, paid for. It caught a fire a few days before the party, so they had to transfer it someplace else. Hey, who's that? But it was still on Grand, huh? Who's that? Uh, the people that got it together, the furniture people. Oh, okay. That worked in the office. But would, would that have been Sticks, Bear, and Fuller yeah. paying for it? Oh, yeah. So right. this is when you retired from from working for Mr. Bricky? Uh, well, we're working for the whole store. Oh, so for the whole store? Yeah. How do you spell Bricky? B R I C K E Y. Um, Vivian, was it better to be a starter than an elevator operator? Not really. Did the no. money was how much you might have been making at that time? About $18 a week. 
$18 a week. Mm -hmm. This would be in 1949, maybe when you Oh, no, old. I didn't make that when I first went there. So maybe in the 50s? Yeah, right. $18 a week. Um, would you say that, that 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 was a pretty good job? Well, it was a clean job. I would have preferred one with more money and dirtier. <laughs> Does clean mean um, just what it says, clean? Right. Okay. So as far as status in the community? No. Mm -hmm. You don't think that well, job uh, had status? Well, uh, elevator job and teacher's job was about the best jobs for black you know, yeah, women. Yeah, because I hear that, right. that, that people, right. it was a status right. job. Right, right. They did think that, but I mean, maybe people thought it, but I mean, I never, you, didn't. you know, to me, it <laughs> What would you have liked to have done, Vivian, if you could have done what you wanted to do? If I could have? Work-wise, mm -hmm. I always wanted to work with children, so I would have to say I would guess I would have liked to have been a teacher. I guess that's what I would have said. Now you went to Sumner. Yeah, went in the front door and out the back. Oh, that's right, your asthma. You yeah, said that. Right. Okay. So yeah. that kept you right from mm -hmm. the education that you might have. Right. You know, they say where well, there's a will, there's a way. If I had a really, you know. Well, that's nice. Of, that's generous of you to say. We, we all have those. Right. If, if I just had, um, you know. Yeah, at that time, if they had that now, probably so many kids wouldn't be asking. Every week, the truant officer was at my door, wanting to know where I was. I wasn't in school. Where was I? And the, the lady that raised me, she. Huh? I didn't you didn't tell me that. Oh, you did? I didn't? No, but you missed oh. that one. The truant officer was after you. I'm sorry. <laughs> what did the lady? And she uh, would open the door and she'd come in and look at it. She had this huge, it was large, like something like that. Mm -hmm. It was leather and it had wide arms like this, mm -hmm. wooden. And she would just put a in the summertime, just put a sheet around one time, put a blanket around, and I'd sit up to get most of the sleep that I got when I'd have those attacks. Mm -hmm. And uh, she would just tell me, say, here she is. But he, they always checked. When you wasn't in school, they checked and mm -hmm. see if they had that nine. So many kids wouldn't be able to leave school and, uh, mm -hmm. and you know, <laughs> go to school. Um, uh, what kind of things did you do in St. Louis for leisure? Where did you go in the evening when you were an adult, growing? Oh, an ad yeah. adult? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, it really wasn't much. You either went to church or you went to the bar or you went on picnics and things like that, but it really wasn't much. Now, after I got married, my husband and I used to go out to the uh, opera. Municipal opera? Oh, uh, every week. Okay, wait, now let's start church. Which church? Washington Tabernacle. Washington Tabernacle. Washington and uh, Concord. Were you involved with church? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
What did you do? I was uh, uh, usher at one time, and then they got the uh, notion that they uh, wanted somebody to greet the uh, people as they come in. Mm -hmm. And Diane White, I know you heard, mm -hmm. her mother and I used to sit together in church. And uh, she uh, and I was picked to, she was standing at one door and I stand and greet the people as they mm -hmm. come in. Um, and you said bars. Yeah. So what was what was good nightlife or good entertainment or what what was well, what did you uh, like to do? Movies. We had, or? We had uh, uh, one that was in my neighborhood that uh, I used to like to go to once in a while, and uh, most of the places was kind of in the same area, you know, because mm -hmm. we didn't. You lived in the Ville? I did live in the Ville when, when I you was were going growing to Sumner. Right. Mm -hmm. And where did you live when you got married? Well, I lived on Windsor Place for 40 years. From the day I moved in until 1935 until the day I moved out in 75. Is that on Delmar? Of Delmar? No, no. It's, you know where the uh, Vanderbilt place where the Veteran Hospital is? Yes. Well, then there's Bell Avenue, and then the next street oh, it's it's runs from Grand to Vanderbilt. It's called Windsor Place. Of course, now they carried the Spring Avenue through there, mm -hmm. so it's not uh, one street anymore mm -hmm. like it was when I moved there. Why don't I uh, just ask you? what it was like to live a segregated life in St. Louis for you? Well, I, to tell you, if you, I feel this way, if you don't know something different, you can't miss it, you know. So with, uh, and, and I, I never had too many problems myself, because like I say, I like people. Usually when I, got to a group, usually when I got to a group, I was with a group and I always got along with everybody and there was always somebody in that group that really liked me. So I, I really didn't come across too much. I'm not looking for problems particularly when I ask it, Vivian. What did it, what did it feel like? Did you want, you know, you, you you're, somebody else raised you, didn't you're they? Right. Uh, see, I was born in the South, and uh, my... Uh, is this your birthday? Yes, where's my... Wait a minute. Show you my phone. It's your birthday? God, you let me yeah. come on your birthday? Yeah. My birthday. Oh, baby. You know what? Seven o'clock this evening, I'll be 84. Isn't that quite her birthday yet? Uh, I'm looking at at this thing that I, you know, I've got the date down too, July 1st, 1911. I looked at it yesterday. I didn't even think. Well, thank you for letting here's me. Here's the home that I was raised up in. And who is this? That's the man that raised me. 
Reverend A.W. Carter, the greatest guy that ever lived. How nice. He was a minister. What made him so great, Vivian? Well, I guess in a, nine months old, I just fell in love with the guy, and I loved him all my life. <laughs> well, he must have been awfully good to you. He was. He was. Now, this is a picture. I, I, after I retired, after working 38 years, mm -hmm. I went out to the warehouse on Kingsland and worked eight more years. And this guy I worked with in the last week, week for last, I picked up the paper, and the, his obituary was in the paper where he had died. Who was it? Hyder Blake is his name. Hyder? Hyder Blake was his name. Vivian, you're awfully pretty. Well, thank you. And you told me you had red hair well, when you was, were young. Yeah, right, kind of copper tone. You right. must have turned a lot of heads. <laughs> well, I don't know about it. Now, here's, this is my niece. My that's the color. Yeah, mm -hmm. pretty. Mm -hmm. well, you're all pretty. Well, what did he teach you? Is that? Well, I guess to love people, I guess. That's mm -hmm. the biggest thing he did. Because I, I just have never had any trouble with anyone that I know of. And as far as I know, the whole time I was with, in his household, he never had any trouble with anyone. And uh, one thing he taught me too, how to count money. <laughs> and how to spend it wisely. Mm -hmm. he, he taught me that. Because every week he had a church mm -hmm. for every Sunday in the month at different places. And when he'd come home uh, after going and preaching over the weekend, he had this little, uh, what kind of, uh, I guess it was real fine leather or chamois or something mm -hmm. like that, drawstring on it. And mm -hmm. when they take up a collection and give him his money, he put it in that. Mm -hmm. And when he'd come home, he'd just walk to the bed and just throw it up on the bed, and I'd climb up on the bed and count it as I would <coughs> count money. Um, it was just wanted to see if there was anything else in here. Now these are picnics from sticks. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Now here's that other girl that I told you was killed. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now here she is. So you did have, where did you get this? I thought you said you didn't have these pictures. No, I, just these few. Oh, I've oh. got a lot of them, but I, I, they at home. Let's see. Oh. Now, you see, this is all that's on you. Just see, so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, what, what do you have that you could tell me about different enclaves in the, in the African-American community when you were either growing up or when you were growing There, I understand that west of Grand and east of Grand, um, there was difference. Well, perceived, perceived differences. Uh, the people, I've just had people tell me that um, maybe this young man met his the person, his wife at at either 
uh, Stowe or at Lincoln because, and she might have been living east of Grand and west of Grand, and, mm -hmm. and he wouldn't have met her if he hadn't met her there. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't have known her. Right. Well, now, I lived both places. When I first came to, when the lady first brought me to St. Louis in 1918, we lived east of Grand, down about Leffenwell and Pine, that's where we lived. And then when I, I went back south and when I came back, this particular lady that had raised me, she lived west of Grand, she lived 3900 on Finney, and that's even west of uh, Van Lavena. So she had moved yeah. by that time. But my mother and my two sisters still lived below Grand. So it's just, uh, I don't know, you, you had uh, a lot of the same people living east of Grand as you had west of Grand because the people west of Grand hadn't been out there that long, mm -hmm. you know. Right. But why do you think that there were perceived differences? Not that there had to be differences between people, but why do you think that, that people might have well, thought there were? Well, because as the people progressed and had more, they moved farther with. So that left the poorer people Mm -hmm. uh, below, and it's just like it is now. The, the ones doing all right don't have anything mm -hmm. to do with the ones that's not doing all right. That's all I can see. Where, di where did you go to? Hmm? Why do you suppose that is? I don't know. I really don't know. Because I would imagine that uh, some of the same people that had moved from east of Grand to west of Grand had real good friends that mm -hmm. were still there. Mm -hmm. But eventually they just grew apart. Mm -hmm. That's all I can see. They got out and met with a better, or so they thought a better crowd, mm -hmm. and they just forgot their old friends. Well, that's still happening now. Yeah, I was going to say that's right. Not so unusual. it's nothing new. No. no. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Um, how was that for you, going back to the South and coming back up Oh, I went back for my She had to take me back because I had a fit. I wanted to go back to <laughs> To see your... Uh, yeah, I wanted to go back down there and stay with him. I didn't want to stay up here. I wanted to go back down there. And I stayed up here six months and then I went back. But my asthma got so bad down there, the doctor told him I'd have to leave. Mm -hmm. And the doctor wanted him to send me to Denver, but we didn't know anybody in Denver. So then he wrote this lady and asked her, you know, would she consider taking me back? Mm -hmm. She had remarried then. And she wrote and told him yes, so I came up here. How did you happen to end up with him? Well, oh, from the beginning? Uh-huh. Well, like I said, it's kind of a... You don't need to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you don't want to, it's not, it's not. It's, it's just, it's wonderful though when somebody can form an attachment right. and somebody can come into your life at a well, time I, when you I need them. I would like you know? to tell you because there's one 
uh, connection there that I've never been unable to understand fully. Now, uh, my mother was a young woman, and she had three children, and I was sick all the time. And she had a cousin that belonged to my daddy's church. And my mother, she was Methodist. So my, her cousin, at one of the meetings she went to with my dad at, at his church, she asked him, did he want to take a little girl? And he told her that uh, he would have to let her know later because he'd have to ask his wife. So uh, the next first, he went back. You're calling him daddy. Yeah. But, but I don't talk called a lady mother. Yeah. I couldn't. Okay. Um, and he wasn't your natural father. No. Yeah. Okay. He, they didn't even live in the same right. town. You know, he right. had to use a train to come down to where this church was. So anyway, uh, he, uh, she asked, if the first Sunday was his time to be down at that church. So the next first Sunday, he carried his wife with him. And uh, this, uh, my mother's cousin had me at the church. So that's interesting. But afterwards, later years, I couldn't understand why I just had such an attachment for him until I couldn't have felt any stronger for my real father. Mm -hmm. But I never had that same attachment for the lady. And I mean, I was nine months old, so I couldn't know. Mm -hmm. But uh, they tell me afterwards, uh, you know, after I got up some size and knew that my feet would rest on his arm like this and he'd stand me, you know, so my head would breathe. And that's the only way I could breathe. And he'd sit all night long and mm -hmm. hold me up like that. And I guess that's just like a mother. Bond, yeah. You yeah. know. Yeah. It, it, it he just happened just, to be male. Right. It's the same thing. So I kind of understand that now. But still, mm -hmm. she had a certain amount of obligation because she didn't always go. Vivian, sometimes you just fall, that's all. You just fall in love with somebody. Yeah, I guess and so it's just the way it is, mm -hmm. you know? It's, uh, doesn't, I guess, and the more we try and figure it out or examine it, right. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> the crazy, it makes I, I guess the, the best is to be glad mm -hmm. that there was somebody you could feel that deeply about. But, you know, uh, she stayed with him until I was about seven years old. And that's when she left him, and she came to St. Louis. Now, in the meantime, on his first Sunday to go back to Hampton, they would go back whenever she felt like she wanted to go too. She would take me down there, and I would go and stay with my, you know, be with my mother and my two sisters, mm -hmm. and all that. And she and my mother formed a friendship. Mm -hmm. So when she left him and came to St. Louis. She wrote my mother and asked her, why don't you come on up here and you and the girls move to St. Louis? Mm -hmm. And that's where my mother did. So we all stayed in the same house down on Pine 
I guess I stayed here a couple months after they got here, but then she had to carry me back because I was just, I just wasn't giving her any peace. So then when she got back, she told him, she said, Isn't Vivian wanted to come home? And I brought her, she said, but I'm not staying, I'm going back to St. Louis. So that was uh, about three years later then I mm -hmm. had to come back. You had to come back. Mm -hmm. How are you doing? You, is there, you had, Huh? I'm feeling fine. You doing okay? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't want to tire you. <laughs> so anyway, um, but back in those times, see kids now, like if a uh, seven, eight-year-old boy or girl knows somebody five or six or ten blocks away, they just say, bye, I'm gone, see you later. They're going on out, going down where their friends are or their whatever, whoever they want to visit. Well, we couldn't do that back then. I couldn't go and visit my mother and two sisters, even if I had wanted to, but I don't guess it bothered me, you know. Why couldn't you? Well, because you had to wait till a grown-up carried you. <laughs> you couldn't just get out in the street like kids do. But you, they, you couldn't they get on a bus if you were they a certain age? They you. No, you couldn't get that far out of their sight. Now, when I was coming along. And you were coming along in the, in the teens. Right. In the you 20s, were, mm -hmm. early 20s. Early 20s. Right. What was St. Louis like then? To, to well, uh, now. Where'd you go to grammar school? Uh, Waring? I did the, the few months I was here the first time. But after that, uh, I lived 3956 Phoenix. So I went to West Bell School, but they didn't have a building like they have now. It was a big mansion, just a house mm -hmm. that they had school in, and mm -hmm. I went there. Mm -hmm. And I was so far behind for my age, and this lady, I, that's a shame for years, I don't remember that lady's name. All I remember now is she had the biggest feet of anybody I've ever seen. But she took me under her wing, and when she got through with me, I was up with the rest of the kids. She was a teacher, you mean? She was a principal in... Uh, At West Bell? Right. But that was, it wasn't a school that they have yeah. now, it was just a big building. And see, I live right behind, about three streets over, mm -hmm. and that's where I went to school first. What, what was the Ville like in those days? The Ville, oh, it was really nice. Now, I uh, moved uh, to, they called it Lucky when I lived there, yeah. but now it's Aldine. Right. And uh, it was uh, very nice. I lived by two doors from John Marshall School, mm -hmm. and then I started going to John Marshall, and I left John Marshall and went to something. Um, Annie Malone's place was no, still going that, on. Right. They hadn't moved yeah. yet. Can Do you know no. anything about that? Can you tell me anything? Do you well, not really. I know when they do have things, you go with your parents, you know, and just mm -hmm. walk around and all, but... Uh, what did they have? What did was there something, what would go on in the Ville that you would do with your parents or with, with somebody? Not anything, cause, because... Uh, and uh, the lady that uh, 
raised me. She liked to play cards and, you know, things like mm -hmm. that. But just for family outings and things like that, we never did things together like people do now. Vivian, if you didn't go to school a lot, what did you do with your time in those days? Just sit at home, stay at home. Stay at home. Mm -hmm. Did you outgrow your asthma? Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess I would if, you know. Yeah. I still have it. Because now this morning I went out there and picked up the paper off the lawn. Well, they had just mowed it yesterday. Mm -hmm. And soon after I got back in here, I got a phone call. And a girl that calls me every day, she said, what's wheezing? wrong with you? I, she could hear that wheezing mm -hmm. just from going outside this morning. But it soon passed. Mm -hmm. I guess it lasts about 20 minutes or so. Well, so are you pleased? I mean, you just, you can hear, hear, yeah, hear, no, hear it over can't. the phone, just no, a wheezing like, you know. <laughs> well, I wish you a very, very happy birthday. Well, thank you. <laughs> I hope. I hope you have a really lovely day, well, and you're awfully nice to share a part of it with me. I well, I can't believe I wrote that date in and didn't and realize well, it. Well, that's okay. <laughs> uh, so now, why do you have a picture of Tom Brooks? Well, he used to be my boyfriend. Oh, my God, in heaven. <laughs> you didn't tell me that. Well, Juanita, okay, okay, let's, let's, let's. <laughs> We used to go to dances and things together. Well, isn't it an? He must have been a very fine person. He was because. Mm -hmm. well, <laughs> did you know about his work with juveniles? And uh -huh. did you know about his work with juveniles? Oh yeah, uh, but that happened years later. You know, after we. Yes. Because I was in. Uh, I, that's when I was in high school. Oh, so you dated him in high right, school. Right. That's so, that's so <laughs> strange. She thinks she knows everything about me. <laughs> well, I think that's, um, I don't want to tire you. And right, I think that's, okay. That's fine. Uh, Thank you so much. Okay. And uh, a friend of mine and I walked in. I had on a navy blue suit a Kelly green blouse, a wide brim. It's on. Go ahead. Wide brim hat, and it was rolled, and that part was Kelly green. And see, he was supposed to have been the fashion plate. He said, Vivian, what's wrong with you? I said, nothing. Why? Whoever told you green and blue go together? So I said, I don't know. I said, but it's a fashion. He said, well, I've got to see that. The next year, that's all you saw in the store when there's navy blue and Kelly green. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. uh, but he he did he ooh, he has some fine suits and things. Now, who's the gentleman underneath? That's my uncle. That's my mother's brother. Let us see it. That's Uncle Cleve. She had uh, four brothers or five brothers. My father was one of them. Right. I see. Mm -hmm. oh, I everybody. Old pictures. Now there's 
her father when he was a little boy. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Aren't they beautiful? Mm -hmm. Don't you just love these? Oh. Where does the Caucasian blood come from? Do you know? Huh? The Caucasian blood? Uh, well, uh, wait a minute, I'll show you a picture of my mother. There was a, a book out. What, you bought that book, Cousin Vivian, the guy that wrote That's it. my mother. Wrote it from hand. My real mother. Oh, my. Look how she's Where dressed. Isn't that elegant? Now, her father was white, and my father was white. Was white, okay. So that's, so, that's, so you know what we're saying. Right. Okay, because mm -hmm. sometimes people do, and sometimes people no, don't. No. So. no. so, well, I used to, uh, when I would go back down there, I used to go to my grandfather's house, her father. Mm -hmm. I knew him. He died in 1918. Uh, he was diabetic, and he uh, lost both his legs before he died. Now, now both of you are as light as I am, if not lighter, and your ages are so different. Juanita, you're how old? I'm 49. Well, you look 29. <laughs> <laughs> and you look 84. You look 69. <laughs> um, and I look 84. <laughs> But, no, you don't. but I wonder if you would talk a little bit, if you would mind, on the generations that you are and what difference or what impact being so light or had was on, I'd like to, I don't know if you care about doing that, but. Um, it doesn't bother me. <laughs> Like I say, nothing bothers me. <laughs> I lived east of Grand, and that's where I grew up. For 2840 and a half. Uh huh. And this, son. and I haven't really introduced you on the tape. This is Juanita, and your last name is Bynum. Bynum. Mm -hmm. Bynum. B. Y. N. U. M. Bynum. And um, your, you said before your cousins. cousins. Her mother and my father were sister and brother. Mm -hmm. And um, I grew up at 2840 and a half Easton because it was a storefront. Can you just pull your chair mm -hmm. over? And what was that? Oh, oh it's a picture of you. Me. Darling. Okay. But, um, there, when you spoke about the difference between above grand and below grand, um, I didn't realize there was a difference until I went to high school. And I went to, the grammar school I went to was Duval, which is no longer there. Um, and my girlfriend's mother was a teacher. And she lived in in the area, but when Karen, when, when we were graduating from grammar school, her mother and father bought a home. My father was dead by then, he died when I was eight. So they bought a home on Lee Avenue. Well, that's, ah, you know.